Hey, what's up, everybody? I am your host, Armand Lee, welcoming each and every one of you all to another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Of course, this is episode 169, 169, I can't believe it. But before we start, I want to thank everyone. Thank each and every one of you all, man. I know there's a lot going on in the world, so there's so many different places that you could spend your time And I appreciate you spending your time with me this week. And we have an amazing show lined up for you all this week. The sport of boxing continues to move at a rapid pace, man. We've got a huge fight this weekend between one of the best fighters in the world, Terrence Crawford and Kale Brook. But, right, the biggest free agent maybe in in this sport's uh, recent history, Canelo Alvarez, he has departed from Golden Boy, something that we all foresaw. But what does it mean for the future of the sport's biggest star? And what can we expect from one of the best boxers this weekend on free television? We're going to try to wrap our minds around so many different boxing topics. Plus, the NBA. The NBA is is all set, right, for a December 22nd start for the upcoming season. I break down why I'm a little bit concerned, but still very much excited. All of that. And so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. It's funny, you know, once you become a parent, like that kind of sense, at least for me and those who I speak to, but like that that kind of parental uh, mindset never really leaves. And if you are a parent, you probably understand what I'm talking about, right? Like no matter what, that kind of, it's like a, a latch that just switches on. And no matter what, no matter your environment, even if you're not around your child, that that kind of lens of always being responsible for another life, that like you can't turn that off. And it sh- at least for me, it shapes the way I handle my day-to-day situations, but also how I view things. And I'm saying all this, I'll give you a, a perfect example. Like when, when I'm with my daughter, she's having homework or, you know, any type of, thing where she has to you know sit down and concentrate it's so easy for her to lose focus you know what i'm saying like no matter what uh i've talked to you guys in the past man several different times about how much she loves hamilton so you know while she's doing her homework sometimes you know i'm like you know what i want to make it a fun environment i don't want her to have this negative view of work right of doing your taking care of your responsibilities that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, right? We all have responsibilities. We all need to make sure that they're taken care of. So I want to make the environment as pleasurable for her as possible so she knows that she doesn't have this inclination that anytime you have to do something that you're responsible for, it's a bad, it's like a punishment. I don't want her to view things that way. So, you know, I try to, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll play Hamilton for her, play some music for her just to, you know, lighten the mood, man, make her feel more comfortable. But when I do that, it's so easy for her to just slide out of focus. You know what I'm saying? And it's so funny, man. Even when I'm not playing music, in just different situations, she could be doing something and something could pop in her mind. You know what I mean? And I think any parent would, would understand this, especially, you know, parents to young, uh, young adults, preteens, teenagers. Things just happen in their mind, just like all over the place, right? And I find myself always having to tell my daughter, well, not always, but from time to time, be like, baby, stay focused, right? I, I say that so many times. She's doing her homework, and then all of a sudden, she's thinking about 
you know, a comic that she wants to draw. And then she's like, daddy, daddy, I have this idea. And I'm like, baby, stay focused, right? I say that all the time. And I bring all of that up. I say all of that to say this past Saturday, for many different reasons, I found myself watching the television, looking at massive crowds and saying to myself, stay focused, right? Because again, that, that parental kind of, whatever it is, it never leaves. And Saturday, you know, celebratory day for many, you know, everybody, like a lot of people chilling in the streets, doing their thing, man, having fun, right? Happy, hopeful. It's a beautiful thing, right? All good, like all things that we, you know, we all enjoy. Hope, right? Feels like, you know, a late a weight was lifted from, you know, from our shoulders to some extent. And, you know, people took to the streets and they had fun and they were dancing and they were celebra- celebrating. And I'm not anyone to ever yuck anybody's yums. You know what I'm saying? But I was watching and I was like, dog, you know, this this may not be it. <laughs> like We still have this huge issue that is ravaging our country. Speaking of COVID. And I'm seeing people dancing and they hugging each other. And yes, they had masks on for the most part. They had masks on. And they're dancing. And, you know, strangers, just crowds and crowds and, and just countless number of individuals in the streets celebrating because, you know, uh, they were extremely happy for for many reasons. Maybe because they felt like democracy was saved. I don't know. But it felt like, you know, people were just rejoicing. And that's never a bad thing, people celebrating. But, you know, you got to be smart. You have to stay focused because, yes, one thing went away. Unfortunately, that one thing wasn't the pandemic. So you could have, you know, your mask on, but you're dancing in the street with hundreds upon hundreds, maybe thousands upon thousands of people all across the country. And it's like, yo, yeah, you got your mask on. What was that Denzel movie, right? Y'all remember when, when like somebody would touch you and then the devil would then take over you. I forget the name of the movie, but y'all know what I'm talking about, man. It came out like in the late, late 90s. And it's like, yo, you dancing with somebody, dog, they brush up on you, bong. You never know. We've seen these type of events, like these super spreader events happen in the White House. It's happening again, actually. Right? We see so much. And and I know people are saying, like, yo, there's hope now. Hey, man, we have the experts and we have a COVID team. And now Pfizer saying that they have... This, these clinical trials that are 90% showing 90% positive, you know, signs or whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. You're not going to get one of those trials immediately. <laughs> if you was out there dancing, you feel me? Unless your family is some, is really, really well off, or you are someone of great importance, those, if, if these clinical trials prove to be effective, we not getting them joints in the next few months. We not getting the joint in the start of 2021. You feel me? And that's beside the point. We need to stay focused. I'm watching these crowd, these huge crowds all across the country. And I'm just thinking like, dog, 
Y'all know we still in the pandemic. And then to cap it all off, and again, I'm not out here to try to to silence people's excitement. Man, if you happy dog, go for it, bro. But you, they, there has to be a better way. And then I'm watching Notre Dame Clemson. Same thing, right? You could you could argue like, yo, Notre Dame, y'all was just in the national championship game like like what a decade ago. You know what I'm saying? Y'all the fourth ranked team in the in the country. Like this is Notre Dame football. I don't know if y'all need to be rushing the field, but whatever. I don't like hey, hey again, I'm not yucking anybody's yums, but dog, when you watch the crowd, Notre Dame, the the, the university itself has not just the football team, let me make that perfectly clear. The school has endured significant, right? Has been impacted significantly by this virus. Like the student body. So, you know, the team beats Clemson without their star quarterback, but again, I'm not I'm not hating on anybody. And the in the, in the, the 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 crowd rushes the field and it's this amazing truly breathtaking image of just a sea of Notre Dame fans swallowing up the football team and in any other year you'd be like man that's that's really amazing I saw that shit and I was like yo we have lost complete focus you know it doesn't matter what you're celebrating we still need to be safe. We still need to understand what the time it is, Joe. And, you know, there are a lot of people, and we talk about this often, there are a lot of bad faith actors and that those people have seemingly kind of entered the sports realm. And there were a few of them to point out, like, yo, this is a bit hypocritical. Like Some of these people are talking about, yo, there's Notre Dame game. Y'all fans are crazy. We're in a pandemic. But at the same time, earlier in the day, you celebrating and you like, yo, this is a beautiful thing. People celebrating. And you know what? As much as it pains me to side with those folks, because those folks are truly the worst of the worst. Right. But they're right. You can't have it both ways. And yes, you could say the people who are celebrating in the day, they had masks on. But the mask, that's not like this. This force field, it's not this perfect shield. It does a good deal. It, it does a great deal. And unfortunately, in the Notre Dame game, many of those fans didn't have masks. The team didn't, not, like none of them had masks on. So that's a bit problematic. But the principle, the point of the matter still remains. Like, we all need to stay focused. You out here, football wilding out, man. And I get it. People are happy. People are excited. People are hopeful. Again, beautiful. Never will I criticize that. But we cannot forget. We can't forget what has caused us to kind of sit our asses down this entire year. I, I continue to repeat this and harp on this because I need everyone to understand we shut the the whole country down in March, right? Because of the, the, the impact this virus was having. The numbers now are significantly higher. We were breaking daily records at the end of last week, each day. And like, yeah, I get it. I understand. 
this is this is this is the this is potentially huge. You know, I remember being out in 08. In 08, I was out in the streets of U Street, man, partying until the sun came up, man. I remember how happy I was in 08. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the old bomber and be like, hey, man, you know, y'all can't do it. Like, Slim, you did it too. Yeah, but whatever. It's different. I don't want to do it like that. But, like, hey, it is different. Like, you could die, <laughs> right? Your grandmother could die. Your uncle could die. Like, I'm not doing this for theatrics. We being real. So we just have to make sure, man, again, like I tell my daughter, man, yo, I love the fact that my daughter loves, she's very artistic. I love that she likes to draw and she has her comics and she has her ideas. I love that she loves music and she's so, you know, she, she acts in their school play and all this type of stuff. I love all that. I love all of it. But when it's time to focus, yeah, it may be a little bit hard. It may be a little bit difficult. It may be tempting, but we can't lose track. Doesn't matter if it's for political purposes. Doesn't matter if it's for a game. We all got to make sure we are completely aware and we don't like, you know, start loafing. Because I promise you, this virus does not care what political party you are. It doesn't care. Who your favorite team is. Doesn't care about none of that. And if we don't stay focused, man, I don't know when we can ever return to any, any semblance of normalcy. Man, I hope y'all stay safe, man. But before that, but beyond that, I should say, I want to hear what you guys think, man. Because I know a lot of you all, there were acquaintances who, you know, they, they, they made their way. They took their beating on social media over the weekend. People that I have, you know, interacted with in the past because they were kind of, you know, they were celebrated. They were in the celebratory mood earlier in the day, but in the evening they were taking their shots at the fans in Notre Dame. And again, you know, we have some really, really some people who, who have manipulated the, the divisiveness in this country and has transferred that into sports and they have profited on that. And they are again, the worst of the worst, but they were correct in this, in this one instance, doesn't matter if people had masks on or not, man, you're out there touching. It was nice outside. You out there sweating around with people. Even if you have a mask on, that's not a hundred percent proof. And we need to make sure, like, social distancing is still a thing. You just can't be out there running around buck wild like it's, like it's sweet. Dog, because it's not. You know what I'm saying? We approached 240,000 dead in our country alone. Like, the number doesn't even seem real. But make no mistake, those bodies are. The losses are. The tragedies are. And yes... It was a good day on Saturday. Yes, for a lot of different reasons. But we must all still remain focused. Hit me up, though. I want to hear what you guys think. Am I overreacting? I'm not. But if you think so, man, hit me up. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterlyshow, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, show. All right, man, we're going to stick the sports here, right? We're going to, you know, we kind of touched on sports a little bit with the Notre Dame game, but we're going to go full into the, the sporting world next with the NBA season looking to gear up 100% in just a matter of weeks.
So our second topic. This week. Second. Last order. week we talked about how the hope was that the NBA season, at least for the league and owners, that the season would start earlier than the Dr. King holiday. In fact, it would start even before Christmas, December 22nd. And I spoke last week about how I was a bit apprehensive about the rush to start the NBA season. It's a weird, obvious situation. I get it from the NBA's, the business side, right? They want to be as close as possible to their norms in terms of when people are ready, when people are used to watching NBA basketball. There are a lot of things, and we're not going to spend too much time here, but there are a lot of reasons for sports in general, right? The decline in viewership. We've heard there have been people who have made this, this one topic has seemingly gone into every possible realm in American society. Like, the, like why sports viewership has declined. We have had politicians, multiple politicians, from the national level to the local level, try to, I don't know, rile up their base, pinpointing, specifically targeting certain leagues, particularly basketball from the men, the NBA, and the women, WNBA. And there's a lot of reasons to go into it. I'm sure you have heard. I'm sure you have made up your mind already. I have no interest in time. <laughs> in trying to argue or even, you know, talk about it in depth. But I do think no matter how you feel, no matter if you were uh, manipulated into feeling as if watching professional sports was somehow a political statement, there is no denying that the leagues whose seasons had been altered, meaning when you are playing out of season, for whatever reason, that has impacted or negatively affected those leagues more. Meaning, baseball, their postseason was pretty much where it always is. And, you know, despite the fact that it was the, I want to say, the lowest viewed World Series and playoffs ever for that league, you know, it wasn't the drastic drop that the NBA had. I don't know if there are more factors. I mean, you look at golf, U.S. Open, historic lows, uh, the NHL, historic lows. I'm interested in seeing what the Masters, what that does this week. I mean, the Masters will be competing with college football and the NFL, so it's not really going to surprise. It shouldn't surprise anyone if they have record lows as well. Basically, if you are playing when the audience is not accustomed to seeing you play, you have a drastic, you know, a drastic decline. And the league and their owners are intelligent. They're like, look, we want to make this as close to a normal season as possible, and we definitely don't want our finals to compete with the Olympics. I think we all can agree that makes sense. But from the player's perspective, right, they're like, Many of these, many of these teams, the high profile, with the exception of the Golden State Warriors, all of the mark in the Brooklyn Nets, I suppose, all of the marquee teams, 
literally just finished playing. And not only did they just finish playing, they were playing removed away from everyone. Paul George, he was the, the brunt of a lot of jokes this year. But he had really one of the more, in my opinion, powerful uh, essays or, you know, passages, if you will, where he was talking about, look, yo, this has been hard for me. And I didn't take that as an excuse. I took that as dog. I can only imagine, you know, if I was away just working and I was away from my daughter, my sister, my loved ones, my friends, right? Like that would, that would fuck me up. And I'm having to work at a level that I'm not even a kind like they were playing every other day. The scrutiny was there. Like there, everything that you are accustomed to. And I know some of y'all Bamas are like, hey, that's why they get paid millions of dollars. Sure, if that's the angle you want to take, dog, I'm not even I don't even have the energy to argue with you. I think though that most reasonable people can look at them as just humans. Humans who are really good at a craft that that we all that we all kind of enable them to be paid millions of dollars. I'm not going to hold that against anyone. So I understand why players, specifically the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Rock, the teams who advanced, who went long into this bubble format. I get why they're like, dog, can I just get a break? Like we were just away from our family for two, three months, and now we're going to have to be away from them on Christmas? Possibly New Year's? Yeah. I understand that too. But the hope for the league and the owners paid off. It has turned into reality. We are going to get basketball before Christmas. And like I said, last week I was apprehensive. And I still am. But I have to acknowledge when I was wrong. I was wrong about the bubble. Remember, I came on this very pro program, this very podcast told you how I was concerned. I didn't think the, the quality of play was going to be high. I thought a lot of guys were going to get injured. All this other stuff. I thought it was, it was, thought it was selfish. Right? There was so much resources being given to these players. That's the state of Florida. They were online to be hit, devastated by a hurricane. It was, it was a lot of different things. And I was, I was unsure how it would turn out. And I was wrong. Everyone, everyone involved in the NBA's restart deserves credit. And the players, I think we often kind of underestimate their genius because it really is like the physical genius that these guys and these women in the WNBA put forth night in and night out is amazing. I literally thought that we were going to have bad basketball in our restart. Not only did we not have bad basketball, this was the best postseason, and this is not hyperbole. I think we all would agree that we just finished watching the best playoff basketball that we had seen in years, like significant, like great basketball. So the NBA is getting ready to roll the ball out, and though I am still apprehensive, I have to say, dog, I was wrong before. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. 
I have a more, I have more of a respect at just how great these athletes are at their craft. So I'm not concerned about the level of play. That's the least of my concerns. I think basketball being back is great. But as we just talked about, I am worried about focus. Because we had multiple scares, issues, false alarms, right? Potentially like devastating circumstances when it came to the NBA's bubble. Strippers, nurses, all types of stuff, right? Strip club, dog. One of the reasons why I think so many of us look at the NBA with such, you know, high regard is because Again, whether it's deserved or not, whether it's earned or not, they feel like they are the intelligent league. They are the league who listens to experts. But now there's an article on Real GM that says the NBA's medical experts, they they are worried about this rushed season, particularly when you talk about having fans now. The owners are the owners. Doesn't matter which league. Doesn't matter which team. Nine times out of 10, one owner is just the same as the other. We know how they lean politically. We know what moves them. What is their governor? And this is no different. The NBA owners are much like the NFL owners. They want money. That's what they want. That's what they care about. And I feel as if though Adam Silver seemingly has his head on his head screwed on tight. He works at the behest of the owners. And if the owners want to do what they need to do to make as much money as possible, guess what? We're going to have fans in the stands. Again, despite the fact that we are in a worse position now when it comes to this pandemic than we were when we shut down everything. In fact, I'm not even certain that we won't have another significant shutdown. You look at our allies in Europe. Multiple countries in Europe shutting down currently, just starting their second or third even government shutdown. Ireland shutting down. UK, like this is happening. And we, as a nation, we have it worse than they do. We are literally the worst country when it comes to controlling this this outbreak or this the spread and trying to contain this virus. We are worse. We have... The governor of Florida saying that he is fine with his state being kind of the 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 testing, the test trial, the the trials on this herd immunity, this foolish idea that started from a fucking failed lawyer who now is a a sports talk guy. Like we've been hearing this idea of herd immunity for so long. And like at some point, someone with some common sense has to be like, stop. But no, the governor of Florida is like, dog, we, we're willing to be the lab rat on this. Florida. <laughs> right? And Florida, mind you, who has, what, two teams? Like, what are we doing? Again, I'm trying to be positive about this because, again, I was, I was Nancy Naysayer. This summer, right? I was like, nah, man, we can't have a restart. It's reckless. It's dangerous. The basketball's not even going to be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was wrong. I got to own that. I got to eat that. 
And I am excited. Don't get me wrong. I am very much excited. I love basketball. I love it. I love the NBA's product. I love, I enjoy it. I don't care about ratings. I don't care what other people feel. I enjoy the NBA's product. And I'm a fucking Nick fan. So if I enjoy the product, you feel me? Imagine what Lakers and Nuggets and he, and et cetera, et cetera. But again, like we just finished talking about in the first quarter, we need to stay focused. Like this thing, we not just going to go to sleep and like a bad nightmare or a stomach ache, COVID-19 will be gone. That's not how this shit works. You can't just take Pepto-Bismol, then your stomach ache is gone, you know, boom. I can't rub Icy Hot on COVID-19 and it'll be go, it'll be gone. <laughs> you understand? No. We're going to have to fight, climb our way out of this hole that we voluntarily dug. Our, our ignorance, our arrogance has made something that we should have been, like when you again look at countries who are wealthy like us, we're the only ones. We are the only ones going through it to this degree. I'm not here to make a political topic. I've, the last month or so, I've been talking about, you know, certain social issues. And, you know, uh, last week we talked about politics. I'm not doing that anymore. Well, I'm going to try my best not to do that anymore. But we do need to keep our eye on the ball. And as we are in the eye of this storm, this pandemic, which is, again, hitting record-breaking levels each day, killing close to a 1,000 Americans each day. We're jumping out celebrating elections. We're celebrating college football games. And now we're going to bring in the NBA with fans. I hope this league knows what they're doing. They have given us every indication that they do, right? They earned, they have earned the benefit of the doubt. Unlike baseball with Justin Turner, or Justin Field, excuse me. Like imagine if that happens where one of the players gets this virus and is like, fuck it, I'm just going to keep on doing my thing anyway. You understand? Like there are a lot of potential hurdles and roadblocks on this road to, again, normalcy, whatever that looks like from now on. I don't even know what normalcy now after COVID-19 even looks like. But there are a lot of potential hurdles along the way. I'm not saying don't try. I admire the league's ambition. But I question if they are being if they are being governed by any type of morality. Because we have not turned the corner. Again, Maybe there's a vaccine closer than any of us can expect. And guess what? If there is, I promise you, the NBA, those teams, the owners, the players, they're going to get a vaccine before any of us. So if you deem it a, a wise decision to go check out the Orlando Magic so you can see fucking Nick Vucevic and Aaron Gordon and there is a vaccine, guess what, Slim? Right, Markel, he's going to be all right. Terrence Ross, he's going to be all right. You, however, 
you and your child and your family and your friends and your loved ones know you guys are still going to be, you know, very much vulnerable again to a disease that has killed close to 240,000 Americans in eight fucking months. I hope the league knows what they're doing. And I'm not even talking about, man, exhaustion. Like, you know, again, I could be, I don't want to be Nancy Naysayer. Talk about, hey, man, guys are going to be hurt. These dudes just literally gave it all they had every other day. And we're going to rush them back without, I would imagine that the body needs to heal. That's me. But these guys are supreme athletes. They know their bodies better than I do. And what they just put forth with the restart in the bubble, I am literally at all, more so than I've ever been. And I've always had the utmost respect for professional athletes, particularly those of the NBA. But if they can pull this off, 72 games and what, a matter of six, seven months, God bless them. I just hope, right, same with anything, college sports, the NFL, I just hope that we can avoid any type of tragic, catastrophic incidents, right? Because ultimately, despite the fact that I love the NBA as much as I do, it's not that deep. All right, guys, you heard the horn. That means we are at halftime. Halftime this week. We're going to do something a little bit different. We are going to combine two different worlds, right? Little did I know, and foolish for me for not knowing this, November 9th is a historic day in music. I did not know this before this year, but two of the greatest albums of Amer- in American music history, you could probably put, I mean, you know, I'm more of a Tribe fan than Wu, but you could put Enter the 36 Chambers and Midnight Marauders up there with in, in terms of just not American great music, but just great music in general. I mean, we this is one of the beautiful things about hip-hop. You couldn't have two different albums. Right? You couldn't have two different albums debut the same day, the exact same day, the same year, than Midnight Marauders and Enter the 36 Chambers. Both groups from New York, mind you, could not sound different, could not be different, but still have such lasting impact, right? There's been so, the the influence from Tribe and Wu-Tang, you can still feel to this day. My favorite musicians, right? Outkast, they are absolutely, right? The spawn heavily influenced from Tribe. There is no denying that. And Wu-Tang, dog, I mean, I, you can't, you run out of how many children that they have in music right now. And both of those really amazing classic albums, groundbreaking albums were released this day, or excuse me, November 9th and 1993. That's phenomenal. So whenever there's a chance for me to salute Wu-Tang, you know, we got to pull out the name generator. And what better way? We've been talking about this coronavirus task force and all of these new names and medical experts. We just talked about how the NBA typically listens to their medical experts. Well, guess what? Our president-elect has actually taken the advice and has put forth a team full of actual experts in the medicine field. 
to try to combat this devastating pandemic. Now, there are a lot of names being thrown this way, right? Yeah, we're we're now paying attention to a Senate race in Georgia. And if you don't, if you're not from that state, you have a whole bunch of new names that you're now figuring out, right? Maybe you're not even that much into the political field, the political world. So you're like, you're being inundated with a whole bunch of names that may be foreign to you. Well, you know what? I'm going to do my civic duty to help educate, right? My audience to the comings and goings, the current events of our country. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to introduce you to our newest, latest coronavirus task force with the assistance of, that's right, the Wu-Tang Clan and the name generator. Take a listen. Are you ready for a not-so-peaceful transfer of power? Are you excited to finally have medical experts on the side fighting to find a cure of the coronavirus? Well, you're in luck because not only do you have a new task force, but you also have the 36 chambers. But when it comes to the children, Wu-Tang is for the children. We teach the children. Dr. David Kessler is no more. For now on, he's known as Excessive Warrior. Same with Dr. Vivek Murthy, who now goes by Lazy Ass Overlord. So once he got his mask on, he's Dr. Marcella Nunez Smith. Mm-mm. From now on, she's called Pesty Samurai. And her colleague, Dr. Rick Wright, from now on, he's also known as Pesty Conqueror. Nah, yo, Michael Jackson had big hands, man. What? Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel. Now, he goes by Sarcastic Conqueror, while Dr. Atul Gawande is forever known as Master Beggar. And last but not least, Dr. Michael Osterholm will now be known as Crazy Mad. You walk around the club with no shoes on, big ass beard that one day I might set that shit on fire. Hey yo, shout out to the Wu-Tang Clan, man. Like. I don't know if they make stars like that anymore. You feel me? Like these dudes have been super successful in all their own ventures and in their own unique ways, but they have a certain authenticity, man, that is, uh, is completely unique to them. So shout out to them. Also shout out to a tribe called quest, man. God bless the dead, the five dog and old dirty bastard. Again, November 9th, 1993, man, a, a day in music history, dog. I, I can't really, um, it's really hard to imagine two albums so different yet so great that last, that stand the test of time coming out on the same day. It's really crazy. But, all right, man, hopefully you guys enjoyed that, man. It's always fun to, to pop up the name generator whenever it's time to get familiar with new names, but you know, the halftime adjustments have been made. The first half is now in the books. We are looking forward and looking straight ahead to the second half, which starts in the squared circle, right? There's a lot to discuss when it comes to boxing, whether it's looking ahead to this Friday or the Saturday, excuse me, huge matchup between Terrence Bud Crawford and Kell Brook, whether it's looking back a few weeks to the superstar performance that Tank Davis showed the world, Right and his impressive pay-per-view numbers, or the biggest free agent in the sport today. All of that, as I kind of 
do a kind of tour de force of my second favorite sport, the sweet science. It's our third topic this week. Third quarter. You know, I was really tempted to just pretty much do this entire episode on boxing uh, because there's so much happening. Uh, we talk about, and I've talked about this in the past, how, you know, the sport of boxing this year started off with such promise. I mean, so many amazing fights and, and so many potential fights that were talked about and looked as if that they were going to be made. And then obviously uh, the pandemic happened and it shut everything down and boxing, you know, unlike pretty much every other sport, it took so long for them to kind of feel out this new world, this new landscape of, you know, social distancing and, and, uh, you know, safety practices. Right. So, Boxing, when every other sport started to come back, boxing did, and it was weird, and they, they weren't putting on good fights, and guys were rusty. But, man, this last month, oh, my goodness. Like, if you're a boxing fan, typically, you know, September, you know, uh, Mexican Independence Day, typically, and, you know, throughout the end of the year, it's really filled with a lot of fun and you know, exciting fights typically. But now it's almost like every week, every other week, there's these huge fights, whether it's a showcase for one of the better fighters in the world, which we had uh, two of them two two weeks ago. Last week was Devin Haney was in the showcase fight. He didn't really look as good as, you know, I think that was a missed opportunity for him. And then you have these huge collision course fights where, you know, we have, Luke Campbell and Ryan Garcia on the same day that we have Danny Garcia and Errol Spence. And a few weeks ago, we had, you know, Leo Santa Cruz versus Javante Tank Davis. And my goodness, you know, I, I was trying to find a way to get it in last week's show because, you know, it's fresh. And, you know, I didn't want to force it. There were so many topics that I definitely wanted to touch on that I didn't want to force Tank's impressive i mean again superstar performance and we're seeing a lot of that and, and the beauty in what's happening is that you have right teofemo lopez look amazing on national television right superstar performance guy has so much charisma and then a few weeks later you have right tank and what has to be the knockout of the year Going up against a very game, very game Leo Santa Cruz. So first off, you know, it's it's uh as a fan of boxing, I like that the sport gets exposure. I do. You know, I think the more boxing kind of more people gravitate to the sport, the more it's covered, the more it's covered, you know, the bigger the sport grows. I don't, I don't need boxing or any of my favorite sports to be like the NFL, right, on every single day. But as popularity grows, so too does coverage. You understand? So as a fan of the sport, I do enjoy when people, you know, when they gravitate toward it, right? When, when people share in my love for the sport. I think that's kind of a human emotion. Um. But, man, there's always a setback. And I'm not trying to sound like the, the, the fan of the band, right, who, you know, you like a band, you like a, a, a musical artist before they get big. And then and the moment they have this huge song, you're like, oh, well, 
they sold out. I don't like. I'm not. I'm not that. I really try my hardest to make sure that I'm always aware that I'm not ever doing that. But man, sometimes when boxing has a huge moment, like it did two Saturdays ago when Tank knocked out Santa Cruz, it's almost like dog. I get I get upset, right? Because there were so many people making fun of Leo. Hey, Leo got laid out, man. He was out on his feet before he hit the canvas. He was out again, knockout of the year. But Leo fought his ass off. I mean, he was game. He did not run. He he knew he had to know he was going to be in in for a firefight. And you know what? For for a good chunk of that that fight, he was he was game, and he was giving out shots just as much as he was taking them. And I, you know, when I see people just so dismissive and so disrespectful. And, you know, I know that they're they're not even casual fans. You know, like, the thing about boxing, I've said this so many times, and I believe it comes from Max Kellerman. There is some innate, like, something within just seeing someone fight that is, it's, it's in all of us, right? Again, he gave the example, Max, I'm speaking of, saying, like, man, you can walk by a room and see, like, Michael Jordan playing basketball. And then you can walk by another room and you can see Tom Brady throwing a football. And Serena hitting a tennis ball and Tiger working on this putt or whomever, right? But you walk by a room and you see Mike Tyson fight or anybody fight, you're going to stay, you're going to stop and watch. It's just something within us. It's, it's, it's human condition. There's some people who just really hate violence. And I'm not saying that everybody would stop, but you get the point, right? There's something inside of us that likes to see the big shots. And what you saw from Tank, you saw that entire fight. That was a fun fight with a supreme ending with a superstar performance by Javante, right? And now another guy with a lot of charisma, right? Has a fun fighting style. And he's in right there, right alongside. Like there's a fight you can see like, yo, you could do a tank Teofemo Lopez fight. You can 100% do that. And then you have Ryan Garcia, right? Fighting at the beginning of December. Another charismatic fighter, fun fighting style. You understand? Again, Haney, he's right in the mix too, but you know, he 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 didn't look great. And that's not to say that he's not a great fighter. He's not a top fighter. He absolutely is. But, you know, if Ryan does what I think a lot of us thinks he, he's capable of doing at least, well then you know, you have three guys who have set themselves apart from you. And that's kind of the beauty. And, you know, we don't really have a lot of, you know, a tank Teofimo fight. Obviously, that's the Cold War. That's top rank and PBC. So, and in, in, in Floyd specifically. So, you know, we have a potential for, you know, some, some roadblocks there. But mostly, overall, when you look at all of those guys, you know, Ryan is a zone fighter. Uh... So is Haney, I believe. So, you know, these are fights that can be made and they're exciting and they're young. And these are all guys who are top of, you know, the sport. So this is fun, you know. And then that same day we had a new way on ESPN Plus and he had an amazing knockout versus a very good fighter in Maloney. So you're seeing the stars like trying to showcase themselves because this has been obviously such a bizarre year, but the cream rises to the crop or the cream rises to the top, excuse me. And you're seeing 
all of these elite level fighters vying for like, yo, this is my time. And what Tank did was was breathtaking. I mean, again, not again. Like, Leo Santa Cruz is a few years removed from being a top 10 pound for pound fighter. And he knocked his ass out before he hit the canvas with an, a, just a gorgeous uppercut. And that's just scratching the surface on what Tank is. You understand? And it was just really, really phenomenal. So I really wanted to make sure I touched on a new ways fight. Really good performance from him. Obviously, we touched on Tank because Tank, that was a superstar, a really, really superstar performance while also still making sure we pay respect, right, to Leo for fighting that type of fight, right? Going out on his shield. We're not going to do that silly stuff, man. Like, if you... Everybody loves to see a good knockout, but just because you got laid out doesn't mean that you can dismiss a, a legit champion fighter like Leo. So we're going we're gonna to show that man his respect. And then also, you had Usyk, man, Alexander Usyk, man. And, you know, I, a few years, like, I've, I've been vocal. I thought he was going to be the best heavyweight. Like, he was going to need to take some time. And once he got accustomed to fighting at this, this size, that he's going to be better than all of the top heavyweights. And after his performance versus Chisora, I'm not confident, right? Like, he, he was touched up by a guy who is a gatekeeper, but he's not packing that big-time punch. And if he gets hit the way if, – if AJ or Fury or Wilder touch Usyk the way Chisora did, then it's going to be night-night, right? So – a lot of compelling stories moving forward, which brings us to this Saturday night. Terrence Crawford, I've talked about him at nauseum on this show. Again, legit, one of the best fighters in the world. And unfortunately, the only knock that you have on him, a lot of people want to put him number one on the pound for pound list. I can't do that because he hasn't fought top, top elite level class fighters at welterweight. Right, the, what what he did at 140 was phenomenal. The I mean, best to clean that division up, no no problem. But he's been at 147 for a while now, and you can you, there's a lot of excuses to be had. But you can't tell me that he hasn't fought anybody worth the damn at 147 all because of Al Hammond. No, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not I'm not rocking. And we know that's not the case because Sean Porter wanted to fight him. Sean Porter was left fighting, you know, again, a showcase fight, a fight that nobody really wanted to see. The guy he was fighting, he was just trying to stay, you know, he was just trying to stay alive. Sean wanted to get him out of there. He really wouldn't exchange. So it was it was just a, a showcase performance, right? But I don't want to hear Bud talk about, man, they don't want to fight me over there. Nah. Like, you got to you look at the way you have been handled. Now, what's interesting here. Terrence Crawford hasn't been very subtle about, hey, man, 2021, there could be some changes being made. I think I think reality is finally set in with this brother. Like, dog, if you really want to do real business, number one, you have to be with a promoter who values you. And I'm not saying Bob Arum doesn't value Terrence Crawford. Of course he does. But ask yourself this. Where do you think Terrence Crawford falls in the priority list? In the If you were to rank the priorities at top rank, where do you think Bud is? Because we all would say, like, yo, Bud is on just skill. He's right up there in terms of pound-for-pound pound fighting. But before Lomachenko's loss, 
Lomachenko was always a side over there. Like he was always the number one priority. And then they ended up getting Tyson Fury. And Tyson Fury is just a walking dollar sign, right? There's a huge fight that we all understand. And if that fight happens, that makes more money than any potential fight that any other fighter can make. Like Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury is the big money fight. That's the big money fight. So now, 100%, Tyson Fury is the priority at top rank. Lomachenko just lost, and I'm not certain that he's not number two. But if he isn't number two, guess who is? It's the guy who beat him, Lopez. Because there's money all up and down him as well. He's got the look, right? He's got the fighting style, and he has the charisma. And then... You know, Aaron just got a hold of a new way. I'm not saying that a new way is more of a priority than Terrence Crawford, but I think there's a case to be made. So if you're a bud and you're fighting Kell Brook, shout out to Kell Brook, but this is 2020, not 2015, right? Like, Kell's not the same guy. Of course he's not the same guy. And you, And this is the best you can do? For Terrence Crawford, someone who everybody feels is among the best fighters in the world, nah. That, 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 it doesn't sit right with me. I don't think it sits right with Bud. And I do believe that there is a real chance that Terrence Crawford is moving to PBC or at least somewhere making himself the second biggest potential free agent. Because the biggest story in the boxing world that happened this weekend was the I guess the finale of this long drawn out bizarre divorce between Canelo Alvarez, Oscar De La Hoya and golden boy promotions and the zone. It just feels like years ago, it was a match made in heaven. I, I, I really would love to know what went wrong because the zone offered up the big money. Canelo was the face of this network. Definitely in North America. He had this huge contract. There, I don't know what else Canelo could have wanted from Golden Boy. I mean, he is the face of that promotion. I mean, fucking De La Hoya is coming back out of retirement to fight Michael Marcos Maidana because, like, yo, Jaime Mongini, another guy who fought recently, right? He's a talented guy. Knocked some dude's lip off. A piece of his lip fell off. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Go ahead and Google that. Jaime Mungia, I forget who he ended up fighting, but it was like recently, like two weeks ago, he knocked a dude with an uppercut. Piece of his lip fell off. You can see it. Crazy. But besides that, I mean, Golden Boy doesn't really have this deep, great stable of potential fighters, but they had Canelo, so it was okay. Canelo, Canelo just turned 30. It makes no sense. He's been fighting for forever, and he's still so young, and he you know, doesn't look like he's letting up. The face of North American boxing is a Mexican, the, the best fan base in the sport. Like, that's just, again, walking dollar sign. But for whatever reason, something went awry between Golden Boy and Canelo. I, I understand the, the zone issue. The zone is like, dog, we want you to fight these bigger names. This is why we're paying you. You don't want to fight Golovkin anymore. And I don't even know if there's a desire for a trilogy in that fight, right? But there are other potential big-time fights. Smith, Charlo, Andre. Like, there's a lot of guys out there to fight. But 
Canelo doesn't seem very interested. So you look at his most recent fights and, you know, some big names for sure. Kovalev, big name. But it's not the same. You understand? And it hasn't, the zone hasn't, they feel that they're not getting uh, the return on investment. They want the big time fight for Canelo. And Canelo just doesn't seem interested in doing that. So I get why the divorce between Canelo and the zone happens. But not Golden Boy. So now Canelo Alvarez, the biggest name in the sport, the biggest star in North American boxing is a free agent. And that could potentially change everything because you imagine now like your mind starts like, yo, what if PBC gets Canelo, right? We've been, we've been hearing Spitz say Canelo's name a lot recently. And is that just a tool to kind of buzz up? Like, generate buzz for his upcoming fight. But can you imagine if Spence makes easy work of Danny Garcia and then Canelo walks into the ring? Woo! You understand? Like, I've been telling you guys for years, Spence isn't going to stay at 147 for a long time. Now, I don't think Canelo's going to move down. Canelo's a big fighter. Spence could probably get up to 160, but I wouldn't go big game hunting if I'm Spence. Don't, like, you know, I don't know if Canelo's going to go back down to 160. He's a big guy. But uh, if Spence's first fight outside of 147 is at 160 versus Canelo, that check better be worth it, brother, because that's how fighters get hurt. That's how careers get shortened. But the potential, right? Just the potential of these types of fights happening. Oh, that that's exciting. When, you know, Jamal Charlo gets in there with Canelo. That's a more, you know, that's an exciting fight right there. You know, there's a world of potential if Canelo goes to PPC. Hell, if Canelo goes to top rank, you know, like this, this, this is what we are eyeing as boxing fans. And, yo, we've got a month and a half left, basically a month and three weeks, really, left of this year. And there's so much, so many more potential fights, so many exciting storylines, so much intrigue. And I'm so excited. Because as a boxing fan, bro, man, like we have to relish these moments because the sport definitely will give us head scratching and annoying and break our hearts at every turn. But when they get it right, I've said it so many times on this show, when boxing gets it right, my God, there's nothing better. There's no sport better in my opinion. And for like a month straight, we've gotten the best of the best. We've gotten top level fights top level fighters and there's still so much more to come so you know i try to go around the horn if you will in the sport of boxing i know a lot of you all aren't the biggest boxing fans but i feel like the core of my audience right the people who come the people who are the most vocal the people who listen i feel like the most they are the they are boxing fans so for you all i hope you guys enjoy this weekend hopefully right we get a good fight between two talented guys you know, Bud is, I want to say, an 11th month layoff, the longest of his career. So, you know, we're going to see what he looks like. I mean, these, this is just odd and bizarre times. But I'm just happy that these guys are getting it. You understand? Of course, I wish Bud would have fought Sean. I think we all do. But, you know, Kale's not a slouch. And I'm not expecting Kale to win. But I, I think Kale, you know, we're going to see. 
Because we know what time it is with Kel. Kel gave Spence hell, and that was Kel in his prime. This was years ago now, so, you know, we'll have to see. But don't think that it's going to be sweet for, for Bud, because I, I think Kel has a lot to prove. This this may be his last stand, definitely, as a, a, a big-time uh, prize fighter. So I'm, I'm very excited for this weekend, and I'm very, very excited to see what happens with the biggest star in the sport currently. Hey, man, you have any other topics you want to discuss? Do you want to ask more questions about Javante's amazing knockout? Or maybe you have questions about Inoue, the monster. You said whatever it is that we touched on, or maybe something that I didn't touch on, right? Whatever it is that you want to talk about when it comes to the sweet science, man, I'm all ears. Hit me up. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterlyshow, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys, three quarters are in the books, but now we're going to step out of the, the, the sports arena, if you will, because like I said earlier, I mentioned this earlier, you look around the globe, you have countries, wealthy countries, right? Peers of the United States of America going into second, sometimes third different lockdowns. So what is it that you're going to do if, if we have to go back into lockdown again? Well, I've got you covered. I'm going to start reviewing certain shows that I watched or that I was a fan of during or before quarantine to make almost as a guide to give you guys some some viewing some viewing tips, right? Some viewing suggestions to kind of uh, make a potential quarantine part two a little easier for you. It's our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. As I said, you know, leading up to this fourth quarter, it seems as if, and I'm not, you know, I have no inside information, but if you were to just to look at peers of the United States all throughout the world, you know, a lot of countries are going on their second, sometimes even third lockdown. And, you know, when the first lockdown, the only lockdown thus far happened stateside, you know, it was it was tough for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons, man. It was it was just weird, and it's still very much weird. But you know, you know, there have been people kind of sliding in and out. People been doing their thing, and I feel like you know, kind of the whole the whole theme of this show has been about focus and the ability to remain focused despite all of the distractions around us. There is no doubt that COVID is still a big issue. In fact, you could make the case that COVID is a bigger issue now than it's ever been stateside. Now, there's a whole bunch of, you know, it was obviously a, a huge political issue for some strange reason, right? Like staying safe, you know what I'm saying, became a political issue. And there's still idiots out there who uh, probably feel as if wearing a mask is somehow an oppressive action. We're not going to really even spend much time on dignifying that. But one thing that the quarantine, I guess for me, and I have a very flexible job. I'm uh, extremely blessed in that regard. You know, I'm not someone who needs to be in an office. I need to be on the front line. You know what I mean? Shout out to everybody. Anyone who is a, um, 
a worker who needs to be out when, you know, you have, you know, thousands of people getting sick each day. But one thing that I did, you know, there was no sports and sports is pretty much the only thing that I watch on television. So, you know, one thing that I did was kind of dive into all of these new TV shows or not even new. Like, you know, I hadn't watched The Office before. Like, and I, I really started watching The Office during quarantine. And there's a lot of shows like that. There were a lot of movies, if you will, where, you know, I was introduced to or I finally saw for the first time. And, you know, that process of finding good stuff to watch when you're just stuck in the house. It's very difficult. It's very frustrating because it's hit or miss. And you want to try some new things. You want to be like, oh, man, what's what's this all about? So me being the people person that I am, you feel me? I'm going to do y'all a solid because it feels as if a second lockdown is probably approaching. Possibly. I don't know. But I don't want to leave y'all hanging. You feel me? I see a lot of people asking, man, man, any suggestions? What should I watch? But a but a boo. So I'm going to give a suggestion. Maybe I do this regularly. I don't know. It depends on what the reaction is, how you guys like this segment or not. But, you know, I've, I've come up with several different shows, movies or whatnot that, uh, you know, that I think would do you all pretty good. That are maybe a little bit under the radar. So, you know, a few ground rules. Number one, I'm not going to suggest shows like The Wire. First off. If you haven't seen The Wire yet, I don't even know why you're listening to my podcast for real. You understand? Like, there's a certain level you you missing, like, you know, come on, Joe. Like, you got to get your head together, baby. You understand? Like, if you haven't seen The Wire yet, wash your face. You understand? Get your life together. You know know what I mean? Like, there's really no excuse at this point. But, like, I'm not suggesting The Wire. I'm not going to suggest The Sopranos. There's certain shows, right, that, like, are so obvious. Like, hey, these shows are, like, significant. Like, The West Wing. I'm not going to suggest these shows. Like, yo, check them out. If not, bong. Live your lifestyle. But whatever. These are under the radar. This is going to be an under the radar type of thing. Maybe. You know, I'm not going to suggest The Office, though. The Office was, you know, it, it held me down earlier this year. So in our first installment of quarantine suggestions, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we're, we're still in a very political time. So I figured, you know what, why not just keep, kind of keep up on this same angle and suggest a show that I really, really love. There was only two seasons of it. Um, but like, I don't know anyone who's actually watched this show who did not like it. And the show I'm talking about is called Boss. All right, it was a, a show on Stars, probably about like five years ago or so. It was really, really good. It stars Kelsey Grammer, Frazier, Cheers. Y'all you know, know what I'm talking about. And he plays, I believe, Mayor Tom Kane, right, the mayor of Chicago. And he has a at the beginning of the series. You watch the very first episode. It starts off this way. There is a significant. Uh, change to his life that he is actually going through and that kind of that one issue if you will kind of it 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 it, it moves kind of everything that is happening in his life like that is his governor like everything that happens subsequently 
good or bad is basically caused by this one thing that you see instantly. I mean, I probably should tell you, but I'm not going to. Um, and that's how the show starts, man. And he navigates the political climate in Chicago and in the state of Illinois. And it's bad. You know, you got all this little tricky stuff, man. You know, to me, it's much better than House of Cards. I really, I actually started watching Boss before House of Cards, though House of Cards, I believe, came out, came out before. So when I finished, when Boss was over, it had two seasons again. The first season is phenomenal, much better than the second season, though the second season is really good as well. So when I finished watching that, someone was like, man, maybe you should check out House of Cards. And I really couldn't get into House of Cards because it just, to me, in my opinion, didn't really stand up with Boss. You know what I mean? Same thing that happened to me with, you know, uh, Power. Power was so dumb, but so many people compared it to The Wire. So if that's kind of my reference point, you watch two seconds of Power, you're like, okay, this is trash. You know what I'm saying? Maybe if you compare that to New York Undercover, I'd be all right. But whatever. Boss, dope show, man. It, it Like I said, it, it, it talks about kind of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff that may potentially be happening. And uh, the political climate, obviously, is extremely uh, dramatized. But it's really good. It's really dope. And, again, uh, two 10-episode seasons, right? So you can really dive into it, enjoy it. Uh, has a lot of twists and turns. Um, the one thing I will say as a critique of the series, and this is more or less aimed at the second season. Uh, well, you know what? Let me not do that. I was going to kind of give you my one critique. Um, and I guess I'll just say it like this. At some point, you have to take chess pieces off the board. You know what I mean? It's one of my big issues with a lot of different shows. Um, if you guys watch Billions, it's one reason why I kind of fell off of Billions, right? Because... There's only so many times you can kind of flirt with, you know, big time events. Like in Billions, there's always the threat that, okay, this person's going to go to jail. This person's going to lose their job, whatever. And nothing ever happens, right? They, they get real, real close and then nothing happens. At some point, you have to move chess pieces off the board. It's one of the reasons why I love The Wire so much. It was so real, right? Like. You fall in love with a with a character, and then they're gone. You know what I mean? One of the reasons why Game of Thrones sticks out so much to people. Sopranos, the whole nine. Like, if you're going to do this reality television show, like this kind of try to be as authentic and as real as possible, you know, everybody can't always win, right? So I guess that would be my biggest issue with Boss, but that's mainly for the second season. Uh, but yeah. If you are looking for something to watch, potentially, if we are locked down again, you know, check it out, man. I believe it. if you have stars, it's probably still on demand. Um, I don't know what streaming services uh, has it. I haven't checked it out. But, yeah, man, I'm a huge fan of Boss. Really, in two seasons, I was really, really, I really, really enjoyed the show. So, hey, man, you know, I'm doing my civic duty, man, holding y'all down. Y'all hold me down so much for listening to this show each and every week. I figured, why not? Why why not hold you guys down and uh, throw out some suggestions for some really, really dope television shows that sometimes fly under the radar? So let me know if you are bored, if you're looking for a recommendation, if, you, if you're going to take me up on that offer. Watch the 10 episodes, man. It's a really fun watch. 
It's not like something that you got to power through. They really kind of get at it pretty early on. Like, they don't waste any time. It's a really good show. The first season is going to probably get you hooked. So, if you watch it, I want to know your thoughts, man. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at the show at quarterly show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. And if you guys would be so kind, head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Write and review the show, man. Leave me five stars and let me, let your friends, let the whole world know why you enjoy the Quarterly Report podcast, man. I I appreciate you guys rocking with me each and every single week, man. It means so much. There's so much happening in the world, and yet you guys find some time to kind of carve some time out for me, man. I really do enjoy. But it's time. Let's let's spread the word out too, man. Let's get the word going. Let's, let's get people to understand why this show is one of the best independent sports podcasts out. And I would greatly appreciate any kind words that you would want to share. All right, guys, that's my time this week. Uh, again, make sure you guys stay safe. Let's stay focused, right? I know a lot of uh, we all want to celebrate. We are enjoying kind of this potential new era of the country or whatever what have you but beyond any game beyond any election like we still need to be a thought about situation right it's a it's a real live pandemic happening right currently we don't need to be jumping out out there butt naked bro like let's let's be safe let's be smart let's stay focused right wash your hands wear your fucking masks and i will see you guys back here next tuesday for another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Y'all stay safe.